The Truth and Love Ministry is pleased to present Truth and Love Radio with former Muslim and now Christian pastor Sharam Hadian. Sharam is from Iran and is now a proud U.S. citizen living in Washington State. In addition to being a pastor and conference speaker, he is also the host of the weekly television program Till TV. And now, here is your host, Sharam Hadian. This is Pastor Sharam Hadian. Thank you for joining us today on Truth in Love Radio. Uh, we're so glad that you can be with us, and uh, thank you for um, helping us to get the word out about these programs. We can't do this without you. So uh, if you're enjoying these programs, if it's helping you, if it's if it's helping to equip you as a believer, uh, please, 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 we ask you to share these with all of those folks you know um, in your church, in your family. Um, again, you can go to our website. If you're on our website listening to this, of course, our shows are all archived, but you can also subscribe to iTunes when we upload new shows. If you're on iTunes, it will automatically upload them to your account um, and or send the URLs out to folks so they can listen to the programs and hopefully be educated. So we are in part three of the ongoing Islamization of America, specifically the two houses of Islam concept. I've done multiple shows on the ongoing Islamization of America, but I wanted to focus some shows on the two houses of Islam, a critical, critical concept to understanding the ideology of Islam. Without it, really, we can't understand Islam's functioning, Islam's strategy, the duality, the history. None of it makes sense, really, without the two-house concept. And again, just to review, the lower house is called Dar al-Harb, the house of war. The upper house is called Dar al-Islam, the house of the surrendered one, the house of one who is surrendered to Islam. That's what Islam means, surrendered one. So I left off last time. We were talking about why is it important for us to have these concepts. Again, I went through Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, where Jesus says, I send you out as sheep among wolves. Uh that you should be as shrewd as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. That's our, that's our, um, that's our tactical um, commandment. That's a tactical commandment for us that as he is sending us out as sheep among wolves, as we seek to go out and reach the lost, to reach those who are not saved, to reach, in this case, Muslims who do not know Christ, who do not have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, who are not our brothers and sisters in the faith or our cousins or any relative. They're not an Abrahamic faith. As we seek to do that, if we don't understand its ideology and, and, and how the enemy operates through it, then we will be deceived by it. I'm not saying that you will lose your salvation. But I'm talking about the fact that you will be deceived by it. You know, part of the controversy that we had, Brandon House, myself, Osama Datdok, and others on the James White, Yasser Qadi interfaith dialogue and controversy that we got lambasted for was Justin Peters, a pastor up who used to be on Worldview Weekend, uh, he's a pastor up in North Idaho. And Justin Peters, who came out and publicly said that Islam is not a spiritual threat to the church or to any Christian. And his, and of course, he, 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 he foolishly, in my opinion, um, unbiblically, in my opinion, 
uh, erroneously, in my opinion, used John chapter 10 to say, well, you know, the, my sheep know my voice. They hear my voice. They're not going to follow another. Well, the context of that is that the sheep know the voice of the shepherd, not the voice of a wolf. If we sit down and interfaith dialogue with someone who is a wolf, remember I said on the last program, by definition, if we are sheep and we're going out into the midst of the wolves to reach them for Christ, then the Muslim is a wolf. Spiritually, they are a wolf. And we're to know the wolf. Yes, we're to be innocent as doves. We're to be praying for the wolf because the wolf is an enemy. Pray for your enemies. Love your enemies. Doesn't mean become like one of them. Doesn't mean give them access to the sheep so they can come in and devour the sheep. So that con- John 10 is not talking about interfaith dialogue. John 10 is talking about the, the believers know the voice of the sheep, if it, the, the, of the shepherd. If the shepherd is speaking, those believers will know their voice. Why would you bring a sheep in? I'm, I'm sorry. Why would you bring a wolf in to have the sheep listen to the wolf? So that's erroneous. But then he went on to say it's not a spiritual threat because no true Christian is going to fall away from Christianity and, and, and lose their salvation. Well, we were never making the argument that this is an issue of salvation. I never said that if somebody sits and listens to a Muslim in interfaith dialogue that they're going to lose their salvation and stop being a Christian, although there are some who are lukewarm, who who are not Christians, who think they're Christians, that could be converted to Islam. And, of course, I'm not a five-point Calvinist, so I don't believe that, uh, you know, God takes care of anything and we have no 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 um, influence in the matter. I mean, we're supposed to be uh, presenting the Word of God. We're supposed to be telling them and, 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 and sowing the seeds so that the Spirit of God can take over. But the issue is not whether they lose their salvation. The issue is whether they get deceived whether they lose their way, whether they fall off course, whether they... So so again, here's an example. If somebody believes that Muslims worship the same God or that Muslims are... We have a lot in common between the Bible and the Quran, then are they going to be more apt or less apt to boldly share the gospel? If somebody had told me 19 years ago when I became a Christian that I believed in the same God, that the Bible, that the Quran that I followed had a lot of truth in it, that Islam was an Abrahamic faith, that we are brothers and sisters... If they had so said those things to me, I am pretty sure that I would have not left Islam. Why would I have left Islam if I believed that it is one way to God? So if we are deceived, that could affect our witness, our influence, our ability to share the gospel. So that's why it's important. That's why we're supposed to be gentle as doves and wise or shrewd as a serpent. So we understand the ideology, the tactic, and, and that's true uh, of any uh, ideology. If I'm reaching out to Mormons, shouldn't I understand Mormonism and what they believe? Because when the Mormon says to me as a Christian, I'm a Christian as well, I believe in Jesus, and I don't, I don't know their ideology, then am I not susceptible to go, oh, okay, they're a Christian. So we're both Christians. No, if someone truly follows the Mormon ideology, they're not a Christian. Okay? W- what if they're a um, Jehovah's Witness? What if they're a Hindu, a Buddhist? Shouldn't I understand those ideologies accurately so that I can go and reach them? So that's our point. So we're not being negative. We're actually trying to prepare for sharing the upper house or or, or for uh, why Muslims are preparing for the upper house and what that means for us as Christians here in America. We've got to prepare to reach them, I should say, in the lower house that we are in 
before they go to the upper house. So let me go back to our list. So we, we already went through the lower house last time, part of it. We said it is the house of the unbeliever. Islam is in a state of war in that house against the unbelievers. That nation is considered to be enemy land. Plurality in religion is promoted, meaning they claim Surah 2256. There is no compulsion in religion. They'll say, as Muslims, we want to coexist with you Christians, Jews, Hindus, Baha'is, uh, Buddhists, whatever. Uh, we, we, don't, we, we don't want to force you to follow our religion, which is true in the lower house because they use an early verse of the Quran, the Makian verse, it's, and it's not abrogated yet. I also covered for you in depth that lying is permissible and in many cases obligatory in the lower house to the unbeliever. So the Muslim is allowed to lie and in some cases is mandatory, it's mandated to lie to protect the goal objectives of the Islamic community of their movement. That's why every member, every, per, every Muslim who's a member of the Muslim Brotherhood is a liar. Every Muslim who is a member of the Muslim Brotherhood who's a direct member of one of their front groups, is a liar. Yasser Qadi, who James White brought into the church in Memphis last year, is a liar. He's not deceived. He's a deceiver because he's a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. He's deeply in bed with the Muslim Brotherhood. So they're allowed to lie. They're ob obliged to lie. It's mandatory in some cases. I covered section R8.3. 1.8.2 of the Sharia law manual on lying. And as I already mentioned to you last program, Allah is the best of liars. That's one of the 99 names that's given to Allah. Allah, Kairul Makreen. Allah is the best or chief or highest of the liars. Of course, we know Satan is the father of lies. That means that Allah is satanic. Now, two other important concepts to understand in the lower house. One of the pushbacks that I get as well, but, but look, there are m m many Westernized Muslims, uh, you know, in Western Europe or here in the in North America, and those Westernized Muslims, modern you, you hear this term, modern Muslims, twenty first century Muslims, that's the true Islam, that's the Islam that we're striving for. What they're doing in Afghanistan or in Pakistan or in Saudi, those you know, backwards. You know, Taliban, the Al-Qaeda, that's not Islam. That's radical. That's what they'll say. Well, sorry, that's either an ignorant statement or a deceiving statement. Because according to the Dar al-Harb protocol, Sharia compliance for Muslims is flexible. Because why? Think about it. They're in the lower house. Remember the three conditions that I went to on part one? One of those conditions is that if they're not able to live by their laws, the rules of Islam, Sharia, they're not in the upper house. They're in the lower house because they're not able to openly live by those because, because they would tip their hand or that nation's not going to allow them. So if a, if, if a Muslim man wants to marry four wives, as is permissible by Sharia, and the government of America or Canada or some European country says no, then what do they do? Well, they live in secret. They have four wives in many cases, but in secret. They don't tell the government that they're wives. They say, oh, this is my sister, it's my cousin, it's my niece, it's my aunt, whatever. They're lying because lying is what? Permissible or mandatory to, to 
if the goal is permissible or mandatory. Now, does a Muslim have to marry four wives? No. Marrying four wives is permissible, not obligatory. So if the Muslim marries two wives, that's still permissible. Three, permissible. Four, permissible. Five, not permissible. Well, except if you're Muhammad because you have 11 wives. He, you know, he's special. So because of the permissibility issue of it, now in the law of that nation, of course, polygamy is outlawed. Even in Europe, polygamy is outlawed. So what do they do? Well, they work to get the upper house. In enclaves, we see in enclaves in Europe, many Muslims have more than one, one wife. There, they, 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 there's multiple situations where we see, we've, we've discovered that Muslims have been caught even in some cases um, with more than one wife. So they must do it under the radar. And if they can't do it, that's okay because there's flexibility in Sharia compliance. Only in the lower house. Does that make sense? I hope that makes sense. Now, what about Sharia for non-Muslims? So you go Sharam for the Muslim, Sharia is flexible. What about for the non-Muslim? Is it to be applied? No. Sharia compliance for non-Muslims is in fact denied and deflected. There are three stages of Sharia application for Transition between Dar al-Harp and Dar al-Islam. Number one, Sharia is denied. So the Muslims will say to the non-Muslims, we don't want Sharia. No, 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 no. We want to live by your laws. We're Americans. We believe in the Constitution. Well, they may believe that or they may be lying. If they're lying, the lying is permissible because in the non-Muslim home, the Dar al-Harp, Compliance to Sharia is not uh, mandated because they can't uh, apply it yet. Remember, that's one of the three conditions in uh, the Reliance of the Traveler that we looked at. You can't apply it. It's not the upper house yet. So they deny they want it. Now, what's stage two or phase two? Phase two is as they get closer to the upper house, they start defending and deflecting Sharia, meaning that they'll say, well, Sharia, yes, we as Muslims must follow Sharia, but Sharia is misunderstood. As Linda Sarsour many times says, well, it's just eating, not eating pork, not drinking alcohol, praying five times a day, fasting, going to pilgrimage, blah, blah, blah. It's all a lie because those conditions of Sharia, yes, in the lower house, it is okay to deflect, but not in the upper house. So, so they, they, they diffuse the argument by saying Sharia is not what you think it is. It's not killing non-Muslims or apostates. It's not beating your wife. It's not cutting off your hands and feet. It's not killing homosexuals. It's not treating women as second-class citizens. It's not, um, we want special food, halal. Uh, it's not any of those things. It's not governmental. It's just religious. It's just religious, Sharam. Calm down. Well, folks, those who are perpetrating that are lying. Guaranteed, if they're a Muslim, particularly within the Muslim Brotherhood, because we hear this from the Muslim Brotherhood, this type of language all the time. They are lying. Mark my words. 
because they're simply deflecting. They're deflecting. Now, these are the conditions of the what? Lower house. Okay? Now let's spend our time looking at the upper house. What is the upper house? What are some conditions for them to go to the upper house? Well, again, I've done some shows on this recently about, for example, their hyper-political activities. Um, as I mentioned, Sharia is one of those. Sharia denial, Sharia uh, defense and, de- and deflection, signs of the lower house. The moment you see Sharia in any way being promoted, as Linda Sarsour has done, isn't Sharia wonderful, right? You get uh, one of her tweets was, and I have it in one in one of my presentations. Uh, if you if you don't see your loans being interest free, then Sharia hasn't taken over America yet. That's one of the th- one of the things she tw- tweeted out on her Twitter page. Well, why? Because that's Sharia financing. That's the financing of Sharia. That's a special condition that Muslims get. Um, so that they don't have to pay interest because it's, it's forbidden in Islam to pay interest on a loan. It's haram, forbidden. So many, many institutions now offer Sharia loans for Muslims where they don't have to pay interest. They pay an upfront fee. They don't pay an interest long term. By the way, can you and I get those? No, it's only for Muslims. So now they start promoting aspects of Sharia as wonderful, as great. Isn't it great if you could also get your loans to be interest-free? So they start promoting it. That's a sign of going, getting closer to the upper house. Another sign is their political activity. Their political activity is very hyper. That's why we see now 90 Muslims running for office in what's called the Muslim blue wave because they're, most of them are running as Democrats. Uh, you see the first Islamic political party formed, the USCMO, the United States Council of Muslim Organizations. It's the who's who of the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, let me, in fact, give you some some names on that list. Um, it was created in 2015. Here are some of the board members. Nihad Awad, who's the head of CARE. Siraj Wahaj, unindicted co-conspirator in the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. By the way, he's the one that... Uh, Yasser Qadi brought into Memphis to speak at his school last year for their fundraiser. He's a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. Mazen Mukhtar, he's the head of the Muslim American Society, front crew for the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, Naeem Baeg, he's the head of ICNA, Islamic Circle of North America. Guess what? Muslim Brotherhood. Osama Abu Irshad, the uh, AMP, American Muslims for Palestine, Muslim Brotherhood. Um, ISNA is a part of the USCMO, Islamic Society of North America, Muslim Brotherhood. So they formed their first Muslim political party in America in 2015, which is what's fueling this Muslim blue wave. They also formed their first political action committee called the Jet Pack, Justice Education Technology Political Action Committee. What's the goal of the Jet Pack? Get Muslims elected. Do they support non-Muslims? No, only Muslims. 
get them elected. And most of these Muslims that are running as Democrats are running on progressive Marxist social justice causes. Why? Because that's how they get elected as Democrats, because they want to be able to win. And once they get elected and they get to the upper house, are they going to live by those progressive Marxist causes? If it's Islamic, yes. If it's not Islamic, no. Like, for example, they support LGBT rights. Why would they support LGBT rights? Islam doesn't teach that you support homosexuality. They're doing it in the lower house. That's part of the lower house concept of lying. And a huge disturbing trend is that these Muslims that are now getting elected are all taking their oath of office on the Quran, not the Bible, led by uh, Mr. Keith Ellison, the first Muslim elected to Congress, the congressman from the state of Minnesota. So let me go through some uh, of the aspects of the upper house, okay? Now, how is that upper house declared? Well, there's got to be consensus in the Islamic community. So like one Muslim can't come out and say, we're now the upper house. There's got to be meetings behind the scenes between Islamic clerics, Islamic leadership, Islamic centers or mosques. Islamic authority must have consensus. And that's what we see coming out of the mosques in Europe. For at least five years, we have seen the calls of the clerics in Europe that now Europe is Dar al-Islam. These enclaves are now Dar al-Islam. So one Muslim can't declare it. It's got to be a totality. Now, once the House of Islam has been declared, meaning the nation or the area or the enclave belongs to Islam, remember those three conditions, they have their own security. So in enclaves, they force everybody out like in Europe, and they basically run that area. The police are not really there. The the, the government is not really there. It's basically been handed over as a quote-unquote no-go zone or quote-unquote urban sensitive zone like we see across Europe and now in America. Hamtramck, Michigan, remember, first Muslim majority community in America. They now have the first Muslim majority city council in America. That's why they're going political to take over. Islam is not just religious. It's a governmental system. Now, condition one, they have their own security. Condition two, they're not, they're not surrounded by all sides by non-Muslims. Condition three, they can actually start implementing Islamic rules, Sharia. Now, here are some big ones. Watch this. Remember I said in the lower house, plurality in religion, no compulsion. Well, guess what? In the upper house, plurality goes out the window. There is now compulsion in religion because Islam has been deemed, dar, the house has been deemed Dar al-Islam, the house of the surrendered ones. Therefore, now the call of the Muslim community to non-Muslims is surrender to Islam. Wait a second. What happened to there's no compulsion? What happened to we're all going to get along? What happened to that uh, Surah 2256? Oh, now they are living by Surah 95, Surah 929. Make people of the book Jews and Christians inferior, paying the jizya. Surah 5, fight them wherever you find them. Until they they convert they uh, repent and 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 take on the five pillars of Islam, Surah thirty thirty one thirty three that Islam is the final religion. So this is now the call of the abrogated verse. Surah nine is the last chapter according to Muhammad that he was given by revelation. So it's the abrogated Medinan verse of the Quran, not the Mekian verse. This is a critical difference. That's why you see Muslims in Europe, particularly the, 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 the clerics and those who are very vocal, they will come out on the streets with blowhorns. Uh, one of our DVDs called Islam's assault on the U S constitution. I have a video at the beginning of that from Europe. 
where you see Muslims on the street with their trucks driving by with big signs saying, Sharia is for you. Sharia compliance is mandatory. Submit to Sharia. They're not hiding it. Why are they not uh, 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 denying or deflecting? Remember the, the two conditions in the lower house? They deny Sharia or they deflect or defend it. Why are they openly promoting it? Because they have declared themselves to be Dar al-Islam. Make sense? Folks, we've got to understand this. Wise as a serpent. So they want Islam to be the final religion. And they're going to call people to Islam. And if you don't submit, then they're going to wage jihad against you, which is what they're doing in Europe, both spiritually and literally. That's why we have so many jihadi attacks in Europe. Next. So there's now no plurality. Next. Sharia is now in full effect for Muslims. Muslims are no longer given the excuse that they can't live by Sharia now Muslims who are lukewarm, Muslims who are nominal, Muslims who are not following the religion must follow Islamic law. And if you're a non-Muslim in a Muslim area, i.e. that has been deemed as the house of Islam or the land of Islam, you must follow Sharia. If you do not, you're forced out, which is exactly what they've done in these Sharia zones in Europe, these no-go zones or urban-sensitive zones. In Europe, they forced people out. They will, If you will not submit to their rule, get out. So Sharia is in full effect for Muslims and non-Muslims. Now watch this. Lying, that the permissibility and mandatory aspect of lying, is no longer needed. Because remember what the Sharia law manual said in section R8.1.2? That if you can attain the goal by telling the truth, tell the truth. If you can't attain the goal that is permissible by telling the truth, then it's permissible to lie. If the goal is mandatory, you must lie mandatorily. So now, why would they not want to lie anymore? Because now they've declared themselves to be the upper house. They don't need to lie. So lying is no longer allowed, except for one lie. There is one lie in the, in the upper house. It's called lie of treaty, which Muhammad did with the, the, the Makians, the treaty of Hudabiyah that he broke later. And so it is permissible to make a treaty and break a treaty. But the other lies, Takiya, Kitman, Maruna, those lies are no longer in effect. And finally, you now have conditions of dimitude. Those Muslims, I'm sorry, those non-Muslims, unbelievers, spe specifically Jews and Christians, if they're living in those Muslim areas, they not only must follow Sharia, but they must follow the conditions of a dimi, which we've covered before, and maybe I'll cover at the beginning of the next program, uh, that are man that that are in effect now. So you now the, those non-Muslims are deemed as dimi, which by the way fulfills Surah nine twenty nine, to fight the people of the book until they are made inferior, paying the jizya. The jizya is the extortion tax. So you pay the extortion tax, you become a dimi, you live by the conditions of dimitude until. Jihad ends. And remember, jihad doesn't end until their version of Jesus returns to earth, which is a false Jesus. So in these three programs, folks, I hope I've shown you the differences between the lower house, upper house, the conditions. I am predicting that Islam, because after the election of Trump, they've gone full board. They've gone all out. It's now or never for them. I'm predicting in two to five years, they will declare America to be the upper house if we do not push back and push back hard. We have to pray for the opportunity to push back. 
May God be on our side if we are on his side. May we be righteously standing and praying for more time before we go down this road. So I hope that I've helped you to see what is going on, to be educated, gentle as a dove, wise as a serpent. God bless you. We'll see you on the program next time. Thank you for listening to Truth in Love Radio with Pastor Sharam Hadian. You can visit our website, order DVDs, subscribe to our podcast, or support the ministry at www.tilproject.com. Please join us next time for another installment of Truth in Love Radio.